welcome to the Viva Learn GXP podcast. Listen in to learn from our network of industry experts who provide their unique insights, industry trends, and tips for success. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter and join our community on LinkedIn to receive important updates on all things Learn GXP. Now let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Learn GXP podcast. Delighted to be uh, with this new episode with Brooke Darnell today, and we're going to be discussing the changing talent development landscape. Um, Brooke is going to go through some very insightful views on that in terms of the whole L&D landscape with GXP, with compliance. Uh, and I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion today. So Brooke, welcome to the podcast. If you want to just introduce yourself to our audience. Thank you, Graham. Uh, hi, I'm Brooke Darnell. I'm a learning and development supervisor. I've been working in the learning and development space in uh, life sciences for seven years now and have a master's with a uh, concentration in designing e-learning environments. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks, Brooke, for that introduction. So let's get into it. So really, like the series happens, we have five questions. We're going to ask you five questions. We're going to answer them to the best of your ability and we'll you know, have a nice discussion throughout that process. Okay, so today we're discussing the changing talent development landscape, and this all um, evolves around GXP compliance training. So with that in mind, Brooke, how have the expectations of the L&D function shifted over time from, from your standpoint? Well, I think that the article, The Changing Role of L&D by Megan Kelly actually describes these shifts really well. She talks about a time that many L&D leaders can remember when the function was focused almost entirely on formal training uh, to ensure that our learners had the skills and knowledge necessary for success in just their current roles. We spent so much time developing and facilitating training that in many cases, two separate training entities were required, one for GXP training for technical learning and a whole separate function for HR training for corporate yeah. compliance and leadership development. Uh, as we have uh, evolved and organizations take on new capabilities, skills needs are going faster than ever. Um, and we have a proliferation of great third-party learning content vendors that have kind of allowed L&D functions to shift focus from building and facilitating the training to focusing more on connecting the learners with the content. Yeah. But a lot of yeah. this can be consumed asynchronously. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point, Brooke. And I think I want to dig into this a little bit, right? So when we talk about the, I suppose, the GXP environment, we talk about the HR environment. It's the same company, right? We have probably two learning functions. So we have GXP training, we have HR, as you mentioned, corporate compliance type of training. So what, how do you feel, like, could these groups work better together to have an overall overarching view of how training should be rolled out? Because I always, I always feel there's kind of that kind of dissection between HR and GXP training where we should have, I suppose it harmonized in a better way, or, or how do you feel about that? Absolutely. I think that with the technology advances, now it is possible to have a single mm -hmm. learning function that covers both GXP and HR training. Um, as long as you have partnerships with quality content vendors and yeah. the technology to connect your learners um, with all of the content that they need. Uh, gotcha. And this is uh, 
it's not enough anymore uh, from the HR or the GXP side to just connect our learners with the content for their current roles. We mm -hmm. also are building a learning ecosystem to connect them to content for future adjacent roles, as well as whole person development. So it's a, it's a big lift that HR and GXP training kind of need to be working on together. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And then from that standpoint, like what are the factors driving these shifts, do you think? Why is it happening now, I guess? Well, I think there's two main uh, sets of factors, one from the organizational side and then the other from the employee expectation side. If we talk about organizations, uh, I think it's really important to acknowledge that we are in a super tight and competitive labor market, 54-year low unemployment rate in 2023, according to the Josh Burson company. Um, and it's obvious to a lot of employers now that having a robust, continuously improving learning ecosystem is a key part of the employer value proposition that we bring to the talent landscape. Um, another portion of the organizational shifts driving these changes is the focus on ESG or environmental social governance goals. Um, it may not be as obvious but the learning and development, talent development uh, data really do play a key role in environmental social governance uh, metrics. And so kind of more focused from that area as well. Yeah. Okay, good. And I think like that's probably an area um, that some people mightn't be as familiar with, right? So um, can you give more detail about that L&D in terms of impacts of uh, ESG, like, I mean, just give more detail to our audience about that who mightn't be as familiar with, with that side of, of L&D. Yeah, anybody who's interested, I suggest checking out the article ESG Stories L&D Leaders Should Be Telling by Kathy Cleary. It's a really great resource about this topic. Um, she talks about the ESG metrics that are really closely aligned with L&D in uh, the Global Reporting Initiative Framework, Standard 404. Those metrics are average training time hours by employee looked at by gender and employee role category, the percentage of employees receiving a performance appraisal or a career conversation. Um, also, if we look at the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, goal four is quality education and goal eight is decent work and economic growth. And all of the data that we gather as a learning and development, talent development um, organization can help tell the stories of how an organization is working to meet and improve those metrics for their workers. Gotcha. Gotcha. You have many references here. It's, it's really good. I wasn't aware of, of that reference either. So you've come prepared with all of the, the backup information around this as well, which is which is really good to see. Um, and I think, you know, even speaking about this and ecosystems and learning and development, you know, I think what's happening as well within the environment is that, especially in the compliance world, we talk to a lot of companies in, in the GXP training world, there is a real shift and they want to shift away from just SOP driven training and that kind of, you know, one fits all approach. And it doesn't really work, right? If you want a more holistic view of how you work uh, in a regulated environment, you need to think about how you're going to train your, your people sufficiently to do that, right? Um, so with that in mind, leads on to the next question. Learning platforms, learning ecosystems, what are they? What's the difference? Like, Give us an example of, of a learning platform and, and how it compares to a learning ecosystem. 
Sure. Um, when I say learning platform, it uh, kind of corresponds to the traditional learning management system yeah. that you would think of that cr connects learners to required training content where we're pushing the training. And that's absolutely still important in our mm -hmm. regulated industries. Um, but it's not really enough anymore. <laughs> the skills that our workforce needs are changing too fast to rely completely on formal training content. And so instead, a learning ecosystem is comprised not only of that learning platform, learning management system, um, but also the learners themselves and the norms and conditions in the organization that allow for effective learning. It's not all about the technology or all about the content. Uh, a learning ecosystem is healthy when the norms and conditions enable employees to extract and apply learning, to freely take up learning opportunities, and to make quality connections when we think of things like uh, mentoring and uh, career growth. Gotcha. And, and then I, I suppose the pushback from that might be somebody in an organization uh, and I hear this a lot, like just too much training, right? And we need to focus on on the job at hand and how do we how do we manage that? And I think really kind of, I don't know what the answer to that really is, but I mean, I think it's it's more around the right training to the right people at the right time instead of just all this training that might mean a lot. And I think with a training ecosystem, I think people will be inquisitive to find out what training they want to actually do uh, on top of, of, I suppose, the... The required training to have to do. Would that be kind of fair or how do you see that? Yes, I think that's a great point. Uh, you know, it is important that we right size, right time our required training for the roles that the employees are doing currently. But it's also really important that we find a way to build in time for development, for training, for learners to uh, guide their own learning path through all of the amazing content that we offer. Um, because giving employees the autonomy to develop their own skills in ways that they think would be most helpful really, again, goes back to that employer value proposition where mm -hmm. we're giving more than just the tools to do your job right now, but also the skills to work towards your goals uh, in the future. Gotcha. Okay, good. Then that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think as well, something we spoke about as we prepared for this uh, podcast was and something that I wasn't that familiar with, actually, the, the employees co-creating learning offerings, right? That's something that was, that was new to me, right? So um, how do you manage or how would you manage the risks involved with that? So allowing employees to co-create learning offerings, how does that work? Because I think that would be very new to a lot of our listeners as well. Absolutely. And like any risk uh, management, uh, it's a case by case basis, right? There are some topics, especially regulatory compliance sort of things that you do want to have uh, L&D or quality uh, curating and creating. Um, but there are also areas where we can engage employees in co-creation. Um, and one of those is empowering them to co-identify their own growth needs. So it's not only the employees helping to create the content once we've identified what content we want to create, it's leaning on the employees to help us identify where are their gaps, where do we need skills. And generally, 
the employee that was able to identify this this gap in our training content um, can then be brought in to help either co-source a growth solution or work with a uh, instructional designer to help act as a subject matter expert to build the content. Gotcha. And that's probably a clever way, right? If you give people the empowerment to do that, I think they'll probably see the growth areas faster than somebody maybe even managing them, right? So they'll see the gaps that they have in terms of their training. So I think a culture that that allows that to happen is very important as well. And I think, you know, that's something we, we'll just touch on now, I guess. But a learning culture, sometimes you don't see them too often in an organization because there's so many things to do within, uh, I suppose, the A to Z of, of doing your own work workload. So how can we how can we better have a, a culture around learning because it's really important and, and it makes for a better organization you know in terms of of growth in terms of the overall quality of the products we're producing so any kind of tips for audience in terms of how we can make a better culture around learning well this is certainly one of those things that's easier said than done yeah <laughs> because we are really <laughs> focused on the day-to-day -day and uh doing what we do but i think it goes back to that environmental social governance as organizations are starting to recognize that in the modern world, they have to be more than just a business. We have to mm -hmm. provide that larger um, value to our employees and to society. And if you uh, can make the connection between that learning culture and the larger value proposition that the organization can uh, can stand on and can use uh, as part of their talent attraction and retention, mm -hmm. it becomes less of a burden. Yeah. And I think that's important. And we, we see that a lot as well. I mean, you know, like it's not just about compliance training, it's about professional development, it's about talent retention, because if you don't have these mechanisms in place, you're going to lose that talent. You're going to go to the next place where you get, you know, better L&D functions and, and a better mechanism to learn. Right. So, I think it's in the interest of every company to take this really seriously going forward, right? I absolutely agree. And that gets back to the other factor driving these shifts in the talent development landscape, which is the employee perspective. Talent has more autonomy than ever before when deciding where they want to make career moves, how often they want to make career moves. Um, and pay and hybrid working are no longer enough to really make you stand out from the crowd right. when you've got talent who's looking for that next move. A learning culture and a healthy learning ecosystem is something that can really differentiate an organization. Yeah, because people want to feel empowered that, you know, they're set up for the next phase of, of, of their career, I guess. And if they're not continually learning, how do they do that? Right. So I think that's that's really important. And I think companies are seeing that more and more now. And I think, you know, as you said, there, that was, that was important, actually. It's no longer like, you know, hybrid working, whatever is not going to do it or, or pizzas at five o'clock. Like, you know, you need something more than that. So I think that makes a lot of sense. So, look, we covered a lot there actually broke in terms of the whole L&D landscape. Is there any, any key takeaways you want to leave our, our listeners with um, as we conclude the podcast? I think that the one thing that I'd like uh, L&D functions to remember is that as we continue to grow and change uh, and uh, take advantage of these shifts in technology and society, it's all got to be centered on the learner. Yeah. Instead of centering on the, the product or the process, 
um, we've got to empower our learners more than ever in order for uh, our ecosystems to grow. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a good point to conclude on, right? So it's, it's around the learner, nothing else. And that's what it should be about, right? So they need to get maximum value from what we do as an L&D function. That makes a lot of sense. Brooke, it's been a pleasure to speak, you, to, speak to you today, even. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll have you on again as a guest in the not so uh, distant future, because I think this was really informative. I loved all the reference points in terms of how you're uh, quoting, you know, where all this comes from. So I think that's really important as well from our, our listenership to, to see as well and hear. So um, again, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time today and we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to the Viva Learn GXP podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. To learn more about our training solutions or sign up for a demo, visit us at learngxp.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us on the next episode of the Viva Learn GXP podcast.